Well, good evening, everybody. Uh, Welcome to our Wednesday night prayer and devotional service here at the Lakeview Baptist Church. Uh, Just by way of announcements, reminders, uh, Bill, next week our service is going to begin at 5.30, correct? At 5.30, just to kind of leave a little bit of a grace period between this service and when the uh, praise theme has their practice. Uh, So just wanted to make sure everyone was aware, if you're planning on coming to these things, and of course we encourage you to, uh, starting next week, 5.30. Now, uh, I sort of titled my thing tonight, um, my, my message, Jesus and the Bible. Uh, Jesus and the Bible. We're going to be looking at a, a few assorted texts throughout the Gospels, because really what, what I want to do is, is I want to address a topic that is absolutely foundational uh, to our faith, and the funny thing is, uh, we were just talking about time, we've already run out of time uh, to, to do justice to this topic that we're going to be discussing would take far longer than just a brief period of time that we have tonight, but that's, a, that's okay. I think that we can still uh, do something that is going to be beneficial, is going to be a blessing for us as a church, and, and I want us really, we're going to start off just by thinking about this question. So the question that I want to ask you, if you've never thought about it before, what was Jesus's view of the Bible? Uh, the first time I was ever exposed to really thinking about something like that was uh, last September. I was at the uh, G3 conference in Washington, D.C. The topic was on the sufficiency of Scripture, and uh, there was a Q&A panel and a, a theologian that I, that I greatly respect, Dr. James White, was, made this comment that really struck me. He said, uh, basically, what Jesus believed about the Bible is what we as Jesus' followers should believe about the Bible. What Christ believed about the Bible is what Christians should believe about the Bible. Now, this is not something that maybe you've been really pressed on before, but I think it's incredibly important for us to consider, as I said, to do this justice would take uh, far longer than just one single night. And so what we're going to do is just really a brief overview of a handful of different texts from the Gospels where Jesus is specifically addressing uh, the Scriptures, what are the Scriptures, what do the scriptures mean to us? How do they apply to us and that uh, type of thing? And as, as I said, if, if we are going to be Christians, then we ought to handle the Bible the way that Christ did. You see, in a day and age where attacks against the scriptures, attacks against holy writ are stronger than ever, let us ask the man who rose from the dead and whose spirit inspired these texts, how it is that we should uh, view them. This is something that I give myself a lot of time to think about. I spend a lot of time thinking about uh, what is Scripture, the sufficiency of Scripture, the issues of canon and different things. Um, An aspect about me that my mother really, really hates is that I am strange. I don't know if I was dropped in my head or, or what as a child. I really enjoy debates. I, I enjoy discussion. I enjoy arguing. I have lawyers on both sides of my family, so maybe that's why. I, I find it pleasurable 
to disagree with someone and, and have a back and forth, obviously, in a peaceful manner. That, that's an, an enjoyable thing for me. And I am on uh, this Facebook chat. It's called uh, uh, Protestant, Catholic, Eastern Orthodox Discussion. So anyone who would affirm the Apostles' Creed, anyone who would name the name of Christ, can go, join this chat and can have different uh, debates, back and forth discussions. And w- when it comes to the uh, Protestant position in regards to what the Roman Catholics say or Eastern Orthodox, it always comes back to this. Scripture. Is the Scripture our final authority? Is Scripture sufficient for all that God desires for the church to know and to practice? Or do we need a tradition? Do we need an authority outside of Scripture uh, to operate and function as a body of believers. And then, and then of course, you can't neglect uh, in, in our day how important this is when it relates to uh, the vast majority of what uh, young people are hearing in universities or in public schools or on, on the Internet, from the, not from Roman Catholic or Eastern Orthodox, but from atheists, from people who deny that you know, the Bible can be trusted at all, that, that stuff in, in Genesis is just, it's fable, it's allegory, and there, there's too many weird things about miracles and, and, and stuff like that, and, and really rising from the dead, I mean, that's not something that, you know, I've rationally observed in the material world, and therefore, uh, it, it goes against uh, my own presuppositions of what can be possible, and and, and, and of course, as Christians, it's just, I think, something that God, not, I, think, I believe that what God gives us uh, in our hearts is, is really a, a desire and a longing to be more familiar with the Scriptures and, and to submit ourselves. And when we read our Bibles, we find life and we find spiritual enrichment. And so for us to, to think about that stuff is just, it, it's weird, it's not how we normally think. And... Uh, to be able to answer every possible question, like I said, that would come against uh, what we believe about the Bible. I can't answer every question tonight. What I can do is hopefully lay for us a solid foundation, uh, which is, what did Jesus believe about the Bible? Um, The first text that I want to look at is in Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22, and in this chapter, starting around verse 23, we get Jesus' famous interaction with the Sadducees, which the Sadducees was a sect within Judaism at that time that denied the reality of a resurrection of the dead at the end of time, uh, which obviously the Apostle Paul believed was absolutely essential to our faith. Uh, and, and lots of stuff, obviously, we could get into on that, but for the purposes of our time right now, I want us to look at how it is that Jesus answers them. How it is that Jesus, the Son of God incarnate, formulates his response towards his theological adversary. And in verse 29 we read, But Jesus answered them, You are wrong. Jesus wasn't very politically correct. He just simply says, You are wrong. Why were they wrong? You are wrong because you know neither the Scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, 
They neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob? He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the crowd heard it, they were astonished at his teaching. What is Jesus' first indictment towards the Sadducees on the issue of the resurrection of the dead? His first issue, the first thing that he raises, is that they do not know the Scriptures. They do not know the Scriptures, and he says, nor or, or neither the power of God. Notice, Jesus puts those two things on the same level. You know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. The scriptures and the power of God at an equal standing in Jesus' mind. He answers their question about the resurrection of the dead based upon what authority? Based upon what authority? The scriptures. The scriptures. Because you see, in verse 31 we read, And as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? Now, did you catch that? It's very, very subtle. Uh, Many of us, we've read this passage many, many times, but have you noticed Jesus says, have you not read what was said to you by God? And actually, in the Greek language, there's a verb uh, which means to say or to tell at the end of the statement. So it would literally read, Have you not read what was said to you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? Now, in our conversation, we would think, you know, have you not read what was written to you? Or have you not heard what was said to you? But Jesus, he he puts those things together. And he says, have you not read what was said or spoken to you, saying? Now you see in this passage, how is it that Jesus views the Old Testament scriptures? Although written down on scrolls, passed down from generation to generation, Jesus views the scriptures as the very voice of God speaking speaking directly to the people who possessed it, and he holds them accountable to it. He says, have you not read what was said to you? And he was, ha- he was having a face-to-face conversation. He was, look, whatever the gentleman's name was, have you not read what God said to you? See, in Jesus' mind, God personally spoke to you. He told you something. He said something to you. Have you not read it? You see, when you have your Bible in your hands, when you are reading your Bible, Jesus' eyes, the very voice of God is speaking to you through those pages. And Jesus believes that God's voice is so powerful that, notice, he bases his entire argument on the tense of a verb, that it was written, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob instead of I was. Do you you notice how striking that is? That something as, I I mean, we we read and we don't don't 
even think about it. It just passes by. It just whatever. But something that small, that tiny little detail that might seem so insignificant, Jesus formulates his entire rebuttal to the Sadducees on something that small in the pages of Scripture. And you would have people say that, you know, the Bible, I mean, we just need to get the sense of it, or it's, you know, it's just, it's an allegory. It's supposed to just teach us, you know, it's not really about what it's saying. It's about, you know, how we feel about it. And then it's like, listen, Jesus, the, the smallest little detail in the text, you, you would accuse Jesus of just picking at nits, like really something so small, but that's what he goes to to establish his argument. That's how serious he viewed the Bible. That even the smallest details in the pages were necessary to be understood. By the way, I don't mean to upset anyone, but I don't know if Jesus would have been a fan of those paraphrase, like the message or something like that, based upon his response here. So that is the first point that I want us to consider. Jesus views the Bible written thousands of years, hundreds of years before this period of time, and he views it as God's voice speaking directly to the person who reads it. We think of what Paul says in 2 Timothy, that all Scripture is breathed out by God, theanustos. You see, an illustration that I've heard that I like, you know when you're talking and and if you put your hand in front of your mouth, you feel that breath? That's, That's what the Bible is, but it's God speaking. With this as our foundation, we can look at some other texts. In Mark chapter 7, this is in another debate, although this time with the Pharisees, and uh, something that will be uncovered is, you know, a pet peeve of mine is when I hear people say that the Pharisees were those who had a very, very strict interpretations of the Scriptures. What you're going to discover in in Mark chapter 7 is that this is not the case at all. This is not what Jesus' issue was. We have this idea in our culture that, you know, the Pharisees, they are the uh, suit and tie, white shirt wearing conservatives. And then Jesus comes along and he's got long hair and he's, he's wearing sandals and he's like this, you know, liberal hippie guy. All he wants to do is talk about love, man. And the fact of the matter is, it's, that's just not the case at all. Uh, as we've already seen, Jesus Christ himself has a very high view of the scriptures and was so strict as to his interpretation that he would base theological arguments on something as small as the tense of a verb. Jesus in another place says that not one dot, not one iota would pass away from the law until all had been fulfilled. One dot, one iota, one, the smallest stroke of a stylus not would pass away till all had been fulfilled. The reality of the situation, as we're going to see, is that Jesus' issue with the Pharisees was not that they had too high a view of the Scriptures, but that they had too low a view of the Scriptures. Because what they had done is they had overemphasized their man-made traditions above the very Word of God. Jesus in Mark 7 is addressing this issue, and I want to read to you what he says beginning in verse 6. 
And he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, notice he is putting what the Pharisees say as contrary to what Moses says. Moses said this, but what you say, which is different from what Moses said, is that if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is korban, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother. Thus, making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and many such things you do. What was Jesus' issue with the Pharisees there? That their view of the Bible was too high? That they were too strict about the Bible? Absolutely not the case. It was the total opposite. They devalued the Bible. They had a low view of the Scriptures. For they placed their man-made traditions above the very Word of God. In actuality, they had left, in Jesus' own words, the commandments of God. Now, what's interesting is that the, and I use the word Christian in air quotes, but the progressive uh, Christian movement in our culture would call uh, someone like me a Pharisee for beliefs that I have about homosexuality or whatever, uh, saying, you know, you're just, you're just a Pharisee, you're too strict about what the Scripture says, and, and these different things. But if you actually think about it, at least in that issue, I'm sure I have my own blind spots, I'm not perfect, but at least in this very issue, I am not the Pharisee in the situation. The Pharisee in the situation is the person who is holding their opinions, their traditions, their desires, their values above God's word. And the progressive Christian who holds their tradition of what they believe about homosexuality over and against the clear teaching of Scripture, that person is the Pharisee in the situation. Or at the very least, they are doing with the Scriptures what Jesus condemned the Pharisees for doing. The reality of it is Jesus Christ held firmly to what the Bible said and he would not allow the religious leaders of his day to put standards, to put statutes over God's people that God had never prescribed. And that was exactly what his issue with the Pharisees was. And and if, if we are not willing as Christians to stand up for the truth of God's word over and against the traditions and the teaching of the world around us, then shame on us. Then shame on us. But do we not hear this kind of thing all the time? I'm not, I don't want to get too deep into this conversation because I know I have a lot, still a lot to go through yet. Uh, you know, I was having a conversation with someone recently and basically what he said to me was about certain things in the Bible that you know, that really only applied to the first century, uh, but, you know, that, that doesn't apply to our day. And, and he was basically saying that, you know, the Bible is, is fluid, you know, you know and, 
And it's what, what I said to him is, would Jesus agree with that statement? Would Jesus agree with that statement? And of course, he couldn't answer the question. And you say, you know, why would you bring up certain things? Why would you mention something that was controversial uh, in, in your sermon? Well, Jesus was not afraid to offend people. He did not offend people for the sake of it. He did not offend people to be rude, to be arrogant, to be a jerk. He did it because he was standing for righteousness, standing for truth. And when I do the same, when you do the same, you're simply following in his footsteps. My Lord and my God and my Savior, Jesus Christ, believed that the Scriptures were the voice of God speaking directly to us, and he would not allow for men to place their own opinions or their own traditions above them. This, I think, refutes much of what Roman Catholicism has to say about their own traditions, which they say came down from the apostles. In Jesus' eyes, just because this is what you've done and this is what you've practiced, doesn't matter. You're leaving the commandment of God. You're making void the word of God. Jesus, in other words, was a sola scriptura man. Another text I want to very, very quickly look at is found in Matthew 5. I'm not going to spend too much time on this. I'm preaching through the Sermon on the Mount right now on Sunday nights, and I'm going to address this more fully, but just listen to his words in verse 17. He says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I was listening to one preacher, and he said, you know, when most Christians read that verse, what they hear Jesus saying is, I have not come to abolish them, but to abolish them. Uh, You see, if, if we are followers of Christ, and he is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, then how can anyone say that the law and the prophets, the Old Testament, would have no relevance to us today? Are we under the Mosaic law in the same way that the Jews prior to Christ were? Of course not. Uh, We understand that, but never forget that even the Apostle Paul, in the book of Galatians, where he is repeatedly affirming over and over again that we are not under the law, that we are under grace, still, when there is an issue of disputing and, and backbiting and devouring in the church, Paul quotes Leviticus to address that issue, that very, very practical issue. If the Apostle Paul who is the one who said we are not under law but under grace, believed that the book of Leviticus and its moral teaching was still relevant for the New Testament church. If Jesus said that he is the fulfillment of the law, well, and and that when we read Leviticus, that God is speaking to us, that's what we should believe about it, is is what I'm saying. I I used this illustration last Sunday night. I'll briefly say again, I have... uh, on my desk right now, I have what's a, a six-volume ESV reader set, and uh, four of the six volumes are the Old Testament. You see, when, if, we, if you were to just take the books of the Bible and put them on a shelf, the Old Testament would take up pro- approximately four times as much as the New Testament. Yet how many of us as Christians don't know anything or or spend hardly any time at all in the largest section of our Bibles, which is the Old Testament. Speaking of the Old Testament, one of the last places I want to look at is in Luke 24. Luke chapter 24, where Jesus is speaking uh, 
about what it is that the Old Testament scriptures are truly about. This is after his resurrection. Jesus appears to some doubting disciples who were discouraged because Jesus, uh, as you know, had been arrested, he'd been crucified. And they just, we never think about how hard of a time it was, but they, they, just, they just don't know what to make of it. They think, was this all a failure? What was this all about? They're, they're, they're sad, they're confused. Well, Jesus appears to them on, on the road of Emmaus and he rebukes them based upon what authority? You guessed it, it was the scriptures. Beginning in verse 25, and he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ, he is using an Old Testament term, by the way, Christ meaning Messiah, Messiah, that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses... And all the prophets he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Thus far in our message tonight, we have talked about the nature of scripture, that it is God's voice, that we need to believe all of it, and that we can't, not just parts of it, and that we can't hold our traditions uh, above God's word, but oh loved ones. Let us not get so caught up in these things and our different debates and such, which, which are obviously important, lest we miss the fundamental message of the Scriptures. You see, the Bible is God's Word. The Bible is God's voice. As one man likes to say, if you want God to speak to you, read your Bible. If you want to hear God speak to you audibly, read it out loud. Amen and amen. But, but, but what actually is it that God is trying to tell us? What, what is it that the Lord of all creation is trying to communicate to us in his word. The answer, his son. Jesus, or, or it says of Jesus, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. It is just so amazing to be going through the Old Testament and find so many pictures and types and shadows of Christ all throughout. I mean, I always just, just think to myself, this, this book that I'm reading is supernatural. It's not like other books. It's, it's, it's spiritual. It's, it's amazing. I love, I, I teach in Sunday school, teaching through the Gospel of John, and, and when Jesus will, will take passages from Isaiah where it says, you know, and, and Yahweh said, you are my witnesses and, and the servant whom I have chosen. And Jesus applies that passage to himself in John 13. And then he chooses his servants to go and be the witnesses or the messengers of him. Just as, And it's all just, it works together. And I just sit there and Guy Schuler's not here tonight, but we just look at each other and we go, this is supernatural, what we are reading. This is powerful. This is amazing. You see... We could talk for ages about this thing, but for the purposes of our present study, Jesus views the Bible ultimately as Christ-centered. He believes that it is about him. Now, let, us, or let me give a word of rebuke to us all, uh, probably those of us who are in capacities where we, we teach or we preach the word of God. If our Bible study is not bringing us closer to Jesus, then we are doing it wrong. Then we are doing it wrong. Then I ask you a question. How does one get closer to Jesus? 
How does one even come to know Jesus at all? How does one even come to believe in the first place that there is such a thing as Scripture and that God has spoken in His Word? I tell you, with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. You see, if the Bible is a spiritual book, as we have said, then it can only be discerned by those who are spiritual. It requires supernatural light for a man to be able to understand this book. So let us, just one last text, look at what Jesus says, same chapter, verse 44. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Verse 45, notice this please. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Once again, notice what he says there in verse 45. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. It was not enough merely to verbally explain the scriptures to them, but it was necessary that their minds be opened by the power of God. You see, when I am preaching this message right now, what's, what's taking place right now, if all you're hearing is my voice explaining information and things to you, if, all, if that's all that you're getting, then you have not received God's voice. You haven't heard the word of God. What we need, all of us, myself included, every single day, is the Holy Spirit of God to do a mighty and supernatural work of illumination, where the truthfulness of Scripture, the message, the content of the Bible is opened up for us. Our minds are open to receive it, and it is impressed upon our hearts. A favorite verse of mine, Psalm 119, 18, Open my eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. You see, and I'll close with this, uh, the, the Bible is a supernatural book from beginning to end. It starts as the very voice of God speaking all throughout his prophets. God in his providence preserves it throughout the ages, and God the Holy Spirit illuminates the Holy Scriptures to the church even to this present day. Let us all fall in love with this book. Let us believe about this book, what Jesus believed, and let us find Jesus in the pages. Thank you for your time, Amen. and Brother Bill will close us in prayer. Thank you so very much there, Logan. You brought some wonderful things to think about, and I hope and pray that uh, you uh, will ponder on these words.